Hi, my name is Cesar Cavazos and welcome to Friction Log. I am joined by my co-host Rick Blaylock and we are here to bring you the best insights of UX, developer experience and how we experiment with the extraction of joy, struggles and other emotions when using technologies. Let's get started. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Friction Log. Cesar Cavazos, or is that Cavazos? I don't know. It depends on where you're from, right? I don't know. Yeah, Cavazos. Cavazos. I'm going to say with the theta. Yeah. Like a Spaniard? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a big fan, but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> not a fan, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, as long as you don't call me like the salad, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So, um, the language school teacher I had in Peru, her dad, of course, he was Peruvian. He would try to talk like a Spaniard, even though he's from Peru. But he would always put the theta in the wrong syllables. <laughs> so it just so it sounded really bad. It just sounded stupid. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking is hard. Yes. Tell Words me about it. Words are strange. But anyhow... Hey, you were you were uh, remodeling your office. Talk to me. Why? Yeah. So you know, I like my office, but they're just plain walls, and wanted a nice backdrop. Especially if we ever decide to do video podcasts, it'd be a nice backdrop to have. And my sister in law came in town, and her and my wife are very creative people, and they were like, "Hey, we're gonna do." Uh, we're going to do your office a little different. And like two hours later, they come, <laughs> they come home, home Depot with this, I guess, I don't know what it's called, plywood or something. It's not plywood, but on it is like this brick material. It looks like red brick. So they hung okay. that, they cut it, hung it, and then put a bunch of plaster on it. So it looked like it was like this. It's kind of like this whitish, reddish brick wall in my office. Looks nice. Kind of looks like a coffee shop or industrial kind of feel to it you know nice. so they did it all in one day i'm very impressed oh man how much did that co cost you they did the whole thing for 200 bucks <laughs> which is crazy I'll wait for the labor invoice yeah <laughs> i know right yeah yeah they're gonna send me one for sure Distress yeah. I mean, brick wall. Nice. I like it. You sent me a picture. We're going to put it on the episode uh, on the episode artwork. So if you have one of those apps that allow you to see that, you're going to see a little bit of Rick's new wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm real happy with it. It's very inviting. You walk in and it's not just boring blank walls. It has some character to it. It's cool. Nice. I have one of those... Um, it is a wallpaper, but it has like a wood, kind of like a yeah. wood planks horizontally. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I like it. Like, I love working in my office. It's it's a space that I can call mine and, and me and my wife did it. And yes, it's like 200, 300 bucks. And it took me more than a day, <laughs> but it was a fun project. And I, I just enjoy going there with my coffee in the morning and start my day. And it's nice. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm the same way. Good, good. All right, what's happening? What tools are you playing with right now that you can talk to us about it? Oh, man, I'm always playing with new tools. <laughs> um, at work, playing with the CRDT stuff. It's called YJS to, to make the uh, the notebook editor kind of live editing experience. So that's interesting and a huge learning and learning experience and learning curve with this contact or conflict resolution stuff, but pretty neat. So doing that on the fish rules front, we have a commercial version of the app and commercial meaning commercial regulations for commercial fishermen. So I'm working on that and I decided to use react native for the first time. Uh, nice. Yeah. So I'm using that. That's, that's fun. I, I'm actually kind of impressed with react native. I'm definitely going to do a friction log on it. I've been writing notes and stuff like that on it, but the, the setup and, and just getting going is pretty frustrating. But once it's there and you're ready to go, it's kind of magical. It definitely reminds me of Titanium 
when you know when back in the day when we were using titanium to build mobile apps <laughs> yeah and i assume you need a lot of like ui like performance in the graphics that you you want to go full native and you can use the cross-platform value added of react native yeah i mean i'm not using OpenGL or metal or anything like that but you know it, it's just like titanium so it's calling down the native apis and rendering table views ui table views and all that stuff so it's pretty performant it feels like a native app too which is good not you know not the phone gap web view stuff <laughs> <laughs> those days cordoba and phone gap uh, oh my rest in peace oh, r.i.p yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how about you what you've been playing with I have, you know, these guys at Panic, this indie developer company, mm. mostly yep. focused on Mac apps, but then they went into iOS yep. and then they struggled with the iOS model. Well, they yeah. came back. Well, they they never actually went away, but they have a new hit. They used to have this Coda IDE that I remember, oh, yeah. and I never... Back in the day. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I never actually spent too much time on it. Well, they came mm-hmm. back, and they had this new IDE called Nova. N-O-V-A. Nova. Yeah, you can get like a 30-day free, and then they have this interesting subscription model where you pay, and then you get updates for a year, and then every year you pay like another 50 bucks, and you get the updates, which is very... right. Mm-hmm. hybrid between a monthly subscription and right. a kind of like a one-time thing and then you pay for upgrade it's obviously outside yeah. of the apple store and and they can run it on uh, outside of it so i am digging it so far i think i still have like 20 days left and i <laughs> am also <laughs> testing tailwind ui a ui framework built by the creators of tailwind css mm. paid framework i gotta say but I wanted to separate those and, and make like friction logs about it, but not try to mix them together. So I'm trying to go maybe do a few stuff on our website with Nova and then jump into Tailwind using Nova and see how how that goes. I want to add a few icons on our website. Then I was, I was thinking on, on making some tweaks on the publishing date. So small things that don't require a lot of like... Um, right deep code uh, focus and so I can focus more on the ID itself. That's my my project for the next week or two. Hopefully a good friction log will come out of it and we'll be talking about it here. I seem to recall that you mentioned Tailwind UI as well that you were playing with it. Yeah. Are you doing anything interesting with it? Yeah, I yeah, I'm doing another project, side project for fish rules and I decided to use it. So it's an internal app for us managing our advertising and stuff. So I figured might as well get it, try it out since I'm a big Tailwind fan. So, yep. Yeah. And this is in a, in a very interesting stage, right? It's called early access. I think it's called. Yep. Mm -hmm. It is. It's an early access. What do you think about, about doing friction logs of early access tools? Well, I, I think it makes a lot of sense because one of the reasons you do early access is to get early feedback and to see what early adopters, you know, how they respond to your product. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there are some things like you, you definitely experience more frustrations because you're obviously testing yeah, a for sure. alpha beta product and you have to be forgiving I feel like you also have to trust the developer or the company, I don't know, like Panic or like Tailwind CSS, mm-hmm. to trust them that they, they are looking for quality so you can see past those things and say, okay, it's it's an yep. early stage product and it requires a little bit more patience. But yeah, I mean, and, and hopefully our feedback out there is going to reach good ears and they can fix the stuff and they could build it to our taste. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It it is interesting to, you know, psychologically when you say, Hey, this is early access, you're setting expectations, which is important. And it's funny, like the video games do this too. steam, the steam client, they do this all the time where you see all these games with early access. Sometimes these games are like in early access for a year and a half before they ever are technically released. And there's like the weird extremes of sometimes there's early access and you're doing that for a little bit and then they flip the switch in his version one and then they make a big, you know, deal of it. But then sometimes like with these games, it's a year and a half in early access or two years and then, hey, we want version one and there's no, 
yay moment or there's no excitement. There's no even marketing blitz. It's just kind of like, yeah, we flipped a switch and you know, it, it's kind of like when you're shipping code at, at a, a SaaS company, it's like, yeah, we ship every day. It's not a big deal. Whatever. So the, it's just weird how you manage a product that way. And then how you get people excited. Like in the case of Tailwind UI, uh, there's a lot of, um, fanfare pomp and circumstance over just early access. I and mean, they've done such a great job and, but, but they, they've set the expectation it's early access. So when you see that you only have, you've paid $149 and you only have access to a few components for some reason, it's strangely in your mind. You're like, Oh, that's okay. Cause it's early access. But yeah, then, like you pay a hundred more, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but the expectation is set that I want more, but I realize it's coming later, so it's not a big deal. But then I use Hey as an example because we did a friction log on Hey Hey dot com, pay a hundred bucks, and it's like this product's in early access. Why did you tell me to pay a hundred bucks? I'm a little annoyed by that, but the expectation they set is it's not early access, so. I, I mean, I know it's kind of apples and oranges, Tailwind UI, and hey, it's not really <laughs> fair, but uh, it's just the idea of setting those expectations really change how you walk away from an experience, you know? Yeah, I get it. I was thinking that, yeah, I mean, it's 150, it's more, 50% more than hey, but then the feelings going in is totally different. You're not expecting a full product, you know that they're going to have some issues, but you also know that you're going to be getting more. And with Hey, I mean, you know they continue to work with it, and they, it's technically right. like crowdfunding, but you don't know what's being worked on. You don't know if they're looking at all the feedback that all the community uh, on Twitter and, and everybody's telling them to do, and they got to mm-hmm. be picky about it. And then going to the other extreme, wasn't like Gmail beta for like, I don't know, eight years or something like that, if I remember <laughs> Yeah, correctly. I think they were. I think it was like seven or eight years, yeah. <laughs> so you don't want to play that long. I mean, I, I get the sense that at, at some point you got to flip the switch and do a little bit of fanfare, but it cannot be like Gmail. Please, no. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> what else? Any any other tool that you're working with that you want to talk about us? Oh, man, there's so many things. There's probably a couple that we're going to do really quick friction logs like i use retool for a little bit in fact it was for this advertising app for officials that now i'm using tailwind ui with i i tried to use retool wrote a bunch of notes on it i'm sure we'll do a friction log on it but i used it for a couple hours and then i scrapped it just because it was it's too much friction (laughs) (laughs) oh yes i have been testing the grammarly for ipad app which we can also do a friction log that's more like an end user kind of thing Grammarly is one of those things that I enjoy, especially as a non-native speaker. It gives me another input of of how I am writing things. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like if I am writing in IA writer and (laughs) there's no way to hook it up, I got to copy and paste it. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's big friction. And I know they kind of have like hooks for everything and, and stuff like that. It's one of those, like, you are a utility. You shouldn't be an app by yourself. And I know they integrate with, like, Word and, and like, the web browsers, and that's awesome. But then some right. of the other third-party tools that are really focused on crafting a message is it's a lot of friction. And at some point, I stop using it, and then I try to come back, and, and they have a keyboard, which I got to tell you, that iOS keyboard of Grammarly, it mm-hmm. was... My phone was fine, but my wife's phone... It was draining the battery like crazy. Like she would oh, go, weird. yeah. Even on iOS 14, we call Apple support because at some point I was like, there is like there are no apps running, there is no background services. I did my whole debug and support, like like the whole uh, show. Call Apple support. The guy at Apple support, they're like, that's very strange. And I put it, put uh, the phone on mute, and I told my wife, when somebody technical says. It's very strange. It means I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, right. so, and then I was like, we were about to just do a full reset. And I was like, why don't we just uninstall that Grammarly keyboard? It's the only thing that it may have an extra mm. set of permissions. And man, that was a game changer. Like, oh, go to, weird. Go to bed at 11, wake up at like six, right? With the keyboard, mm-hmm. it will drain like 50% of the battery. 
What? Without, How is yeah, that yeah, possible? Yeah. I don't know. iPhone 11, brand new. She takes care of it better than I have ever taken care of any of my phones. Mm-hmm. And then we uninstall it, go to bed at 100%, wake up at like 99 Because we continue to disable the background services and some of those things. So we were very conscious of not using the battery outside of it. But it was it was a whole thing over the last week where it just didn't make sense. And the battery health was okay. And the Apple people didn't know what to do. Even tent- tempted to call them and say, hey, you know this K-support that you couldn't figure out what was it? Here it is, third-party keyboards. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, okay. So moving on to our regular schedule. I want to do my regular administrative core of saying that you should go and subscribe to our podcast. Uh, I use personally Overcast to listen to all my podcasts. It's very nice. You should try that app. I recommend you uh, to use Apple or Spotify if you prefer to do something uh, more classic. We are on every platform and you should listen to us and give us a review. It really helps to the promotion of the podcast. And that said, you can come and visit the website. There is a couple of friction logs that we're going to talk about in this episode that you should go and read. And we're going to try to start posting a little bit more comments on some of these development or developer challenges and experiences that we all go through in, in our blog. And we will be tweeting about it. So you can also follow us on Twitter at FrictionLog. UX loss, aesthetic usability effect. Rick, Rick, I want to ask you what it is the aesthetic usability effect, one of our UX laws that it is mentioning this episode. Yeah, so this is a really simple one. I think everybody instantly will understand it. And aesthetically pleasing designs make users more tolerant of usability issues. That's really what it is. So in the case of code spaces, it looks familiar. It looks nice. It's what I was hoping for with VS code in the cloud. And even with all the issues I ran into with the preview, I'm really excited about it. And I'm much more tolerant of the fact that it took like eight minutes for the container to boot up so I could run VS code in the (laughs) cloud. Great. Our thanks to the UI and UX designers that make the product so pretty that they make the users like Rick forget about the bugs and some of the issues while building products. I think that's that's what what it is a takeaway of this. You should definitely pay a good designer because that's going to allow you to make people not pay too much attention into uh, usability issues. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let's talk about friction logs. This is one of the episodes where we're going to do two small friction logs in two different things that are aligned, but they are in early stages. One of them is even in early access, so not everybody has access, and that is called GitHub code spaces. So I believe Rick has had access for at least a few weeks. I got access like a week and a half ago or so, and he got ahead and he is going to be our persona today. So Rick, talk to me a little bit about the persona of this friction log. What shoes did you put on to do this friction log? Yeah. So I, I mean, obviously I'm a VS code user from the very beginning, very familiar with VS code. And obviously that the, the target audience here, what I wanted to do was edit. I managed a couple websites for some friends and I wanted to edit one of the static site generators that we use for one of the sites. And I hooked it up to code spaces to try it out. So that's, that's kind of the use case and persona, if you will. Okay, so Codespaces is in beta. You have to request early access at, I believe is github.com slash features slash Codespaces. And Mm -hmm. the idea is that you have a development environment instantly on the browser. And for some of us iPad users that happen to travel, 
this seems like it was going to be the holy grail because if they have full keyboard support and they do an ID similar to Visual Studio Code and you can test your code, technically, just technically, you might be able to do all of that from your iPad on the go or even full-time if you're trying to make the iPad your primary computer. It handles dependencies. It has light and dark mode. You can have extensions and you can even have like, uh, it says simplify your workflow. So I'm just going through the website. You should go and check it out. Anything else you want to say about what it is and who is it for? No, I mean, it's you got it. It's VS Code in the cloud is what it is. And it's inside of GitHub, which makes it feel you know like GitHub native, if you will, <laughs> which is a nice feel. Um, it's kind of exciting, actually. <laughs> yeah, full disclosure. Right now it's free for the early access, but they haven't announced any prizes. And the other limitation is that it can only be used on personal accounts. So, for example, mm-hmm. on the Friction Lock account, we do not have access to it, even though both of us have access to code space. It has to be on our personal repos. Okay, and let's just start with the lights. You have always. a few there. Yes, always positive. Mm-hmm. Let's start with that. Yeah, I, I think just the overall feeling is magical. Uh, I think I think that's probably the best thing you could say to something that's even in early access like this. You know, grabbing this Next.js app, from one of my repos, opening up, previewing it while developing. You know, you're actually coding and it's doing the hot reloading and all that. It just works really well. And uh, there's been so many companies and people that have tried to nail this experience. And so many of them have failed. Now, there are some really good experiences that are, um, I'd say, I, I don't know what, what the word would be called. They're very discrete uh, or they're, they're for specific purposes like code pen is a good example code pens an awesome uh, way to spin up you know front-end projects that you demo or, or share but it you know it doesn't span the breadth it doesn't try to be like hey we're vs code it's very specific um, what's the other place um, code oh man I'm drawing a blank here there's another one that's it's just like that AWS has um, Cloud9, right? It's Cloud9, like a, which yeah. which never really worked that well for me, to be honest with you. I mean, maybe it's worked well for other people. I've tried it, and it's very frustrating. <laughs> I try it for um, uh, Lambda functions on, on AWS, and it works flawlessly. But yeah, the moment you try to put like, uh, like a, I don't want to say third party, but your own code or like a React app, then it just, it's flicky. Yep, 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 exactly. Okay. I'm trying to remember. Trying to remember. There's a couple other ones I can't remember off the top of my head. But anyway, that this one definitely feels magical. It you you come to it and you're like, oh wow, it's literally VS Code in my browser, and it works the same way. It's great. <laughs> Do you know what's doing on the background? Like what's I I know it has to create like some sort of Docker container, but that's a Docker for your development environment, and then a Docker for mm-hmm. your project run or is that in a single machine like do you know what's going on in the background i don't know the full architecture i know they're spinning up containers in the background to run the vs code server and all that stuff but i don't know the nitty-gritty details on it you can when you spin it up i think you can specify some things you want actually it's kind of interesting they have an extension which doesn't work by the way they have an (laughs) extension for I guess it's code spaces or maybe it will be in the future, but it, it references Azure and spinning up like these environments in Azure. And what is interesting is when you do it in GitHub, it doesn't mention anything about Azure. So it's very weird. So I, I don't know if the, the extension that you install in VS code is ahead of its time. <laughs> like it's, it's ahead of the GitHub instance of it or maybe there's two different product teams that are using the same thing but going different directions with it i don't know i but i think that's curious that they're that it's very obvious they're going to take this and try to spin up azure workloads and stuff like that and try to sell azure from it just from the the extension i saw well i can see like if you're a private company and you're paying for it for your developers or whatever 
you may want to have your own BPC or your own um, set of virtual machines where that co code uh, runs as opposed to just letting GitHub spun up your container somewhere. Right? right. Yeah. That might be something. But yeah, that's that's interesting. And the I see that you tried on the iPad. What's the experience of that like, especially with the keyboard and, and the pointer, I guess? You were using the Magic keyboard? I was, and it actually works pretty good, pretty <laughs> impressive. And and again, back to the magical thing, it's like finally I can use my iPad for editing stuff. Uh, and, you know, it's not like full development. I'm going to have a bunch of screens open and doing stuff, but I need to do something real quick. I can open it up and do things, and it works, which is great. And it, it, it's a long time coming because a few years ago, Apple – literally did not have certain APIs exposed for their keyboards. So you couldn't even, if you wanted to support uh, certain types of things, you know, like, like the, the ACE code editor and all, all the code online code editor type things, they couldn't support the iPad keyboard because Apple just didn't expose it. So I think it was like last year they did. So then you started getting support for it. And then, VS code server rolls around and then now this rolls around. So it's like, everything's kind of coming to a head. And then when I pulled it up on the iPad and used it and it all worked, I was like, Oh, we're almost there. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I always liked the iPad for doing single focus tasks because most of mm, the apps, yes. I know, I know you can use multitasking that, that uh, somebody's going to tell me that, but, but I like the fact that you open an app and it is full screen and then you you jump into another one and it is full screen. And only yeah. if you really want to have two, then you go. And then the slide over is usually like Slack or messages or, or Discord right. or something. But yeah, it was iOS 13, the one that brought, I think they call it desktop class browser to the iPad, which they later announced that the iPad was not a desktop. So that, that's confusing. But yeah, that, that was the one. <laughs> Are you surprised? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Don't. But they can't wait to see what we do with it. That's what they say. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, that's right. They do say that. Oh, my goodness. Okay, uh, interesting. Yeah, I, I try it out on my iPad. And yeah, I mean, I have I, I didn't really write this delight, but it is. I resonate with it uh, now that I have access to it as well. Okay. All right. You yeah. mentioned that there are still some hip cups. Let's talk about the frictions. What What's going on there? Uh, okay. So again, caveat, this is all the preview phase of code spaces. So just keep that in mind. A big one is the container boot time. In fact, sometimes they never boot up and there's like some time limit threshold that it hits, which is pretty large, by the way. Uh, so you're sitting there and it's spinning and spinning and spinning. In fact, actually, I went to go spin it up when we started this podcast. And when we got to the friction log to this this section of the podcast is finally when the container spun up. So I don't know how many minutes that was, but that was a lot of minutes. And I hit refresh a couple of times, too, because I thought it was frozen. So that's definitely a friction. You have to leave, come back. Actually, when I first started it, I had to delete the code space and then recreate it and to get it to to work eventually. Again, this is a preview. They're trying to figure it out. It's understandable, but it's definitely a friction. That's why we are early users. Okay, good. Yeah. So another thing that they have, it's kind of funny. It's a delight and it's a friction. So VS Code now has... Uh, a feature where you can sync your settings, which is great. You used to have to install an extension and it would sync it based on a gist, a, a private gist that you would create. It's awesome because you sync your settings and you go to code space and the code space looks just like your desktop editor because it has all the same extensions, the same theme, the same font size and line height and all that. It keeps all of that. So that's, uh, that's really nice. But, What's really annoying right now, and again, it's because it's a preview, no doubt. Uh, you have to, it, so it doesn't it doesn't sync the 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 settings right away. You have to go into settings, say sync, and then it'll sync. But then when you kill your session and you come back the next day, you got to do it again. So it doesn't persist across sessions. 
So I'm sure that's a bug and they're going to fix it. But that was definitely a, a, an annoyance when I came back and I'm like, ah, why does it look <laughs> like this? It looks like the, you know, the, the uh, day mode GitHub theme. It's what it looked like. I'm like, no, it, yesterday it looked just like my editor. Why is it looking like this? Uh, and that's why it doesn't persist across sessions. Okay. 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 You also have iPad, a magic keyboard that doesn't always scroll to the window. So there is some issue with the scrolling, which is always hard on the iPad with keyboard. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I don't think it's it's unique to, to VS Code. It happens with CodePen. If you try to use CodePen on the iPad, it, it happens with a few others. I think even the Ace Editor. So it's just a problem. There's the scrolling inside window panes, and then there's the arrows using arrows. Sometimes it's like the editor doesn't get a focus. So you're hitting the arrows and it doesn't do anything. And you can do weird combinations like command tab and shift tab a bunch of times to try to get it to focus and then it'll eventually focus, but it's definitely a friction. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. I think that covers yeah. most of the frictions. Uh, you don't have any blockers in the, in the log. But did you experience something, or just because it was you knew it was going to be on beta, you just were like you disregard blockers when you know it's a beta or early access? But uh, did something happen? Well, so yeah, I didn't put any blockers in there, and that's probably because I was being empathetic with the fact. Again, back to expectations. It's preview. It's invite only, at least at the time it was, and so you know, you go in with that expectation that things aren't going to work, but definitely waiting minutes upon minutes upon minutes for the container to spin up just so you could edit code. I would probably in, in a real life scenario, I would classify that as a blocker. Cause if mm -hmm. I, if I just want to jump in real quick and change something, waiting a bunch of minutes for a container to spin up is, is not okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Okay. Pola, any Pola principle uh, breaks? No, there, I don't. There was no astonishments. Nothing that was like, "Wow, why is it working this way? This is terrible. Whose idea was this?" In fact, again, it, it's it's VS Code in the browser, so it kind of carries all those expectations over, and they work really well and they deliver on it. It's just that time to use is so long. And it's actually funny too, because aesthetically, you know, there's the aesthetic usability effect and aesthetically it looks just like VS code. It's beautiful. It works great. And because of that, I, uh, yeah, okay. This, it takes a while to boot up or it doesn't work perfect on the iPad or whatever. You, you kind of forget all that stuff because you're still, you're kind of looking at it and all saying, wow, I can't believe this is running in my browser and it works just like my desktop app. So you kind of, forgive those usability issues because of it yeah i mean if it is beautiful i guess i guess they they get a free pass on some things and then you also add that it is beta and then uh they get another pass so i think uh, as always reading between lines and your your logs i think this overall was a good experience and i'm guessing that you're looking forward to a good GA product. Hopefully this is not in beta for like nine years, like Gmail. <laughs> yes. Agreed. 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 Perfect. I like it. Thank you for doing this. And if I come up with something else, we will probably add it or do a little follow up on another episode, but there you go. Yep. GitHub code spaces. Uh, you can go to their website and request early access. It's still not publicly available, but I got access, so I'm sure I wasn't the first one on the list. So you might get it soon. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Rick. This episode is brought to you by Pinpoint. Build more, be more. The collaborative workspace where developers go to get work done. Pinpoint brings together all the information from the fragmented tools used to build software into a single view with more context and prioritizes work. The result? Happier and more productive engineers. Sign up for free at pinpoint.com. Our thanks to Pinpoint for sponsoring our show. Continue with our iPad theme of if it's really a development platform yet or not. You also went ahead and try an iOS app called PlayJS. And you have some friction logs in our website. 
Do you wanna tell us a little bit what it is about? Yeah, I I can't remember how I heard about this app, but it Oh, that was me. You, I remember. Yeah, I was okay, yeah, you <laughs> told me about it. Okay, great. Yeah. So it's it's an iPad app that kind of touts as like, hey, it's a React uh code editor for your iPad. I mean not just React, it does other things too. It seems interesting. So I actually did this friction log on an airplane a few months ago, believe it or not. And it, yeah, it, it, it kind of fits in with this GitHub code spaces thing. So that's why we kind of grouped them together because they, they feel like they're the same thing. There, there's this promise of an iPad as an IDE environment one day and it's so close, but just not there yet. <laughs> yeah. It comes from an indie developer, if I remember correctly. And mm-hmm. it's mainly focused on Node.js and React Native stuff. I think they also support right. Vue.js, but it's definitely more focused on React and just plain Node. And it's an interesting uh, take because the editor, I, I have used it a few times, and the editor is surprisingly well done. But there are like the execution of it because you cannot really install Node on your iPad. The They have to send like a prepackaged one or they have to use the JS Core uh, framework that is embedded in iOS. And that has some limitations and you cannot update yeah. it. And if you happen to be working in a new project or an old project where you have some APIs or some methods that are not available, then you run into issues. And then dependencies are also hard because so, like the dependencies are expecting some things from the operating system and now you're giving them this sandboxed app that has some limitations with with the with the limited version of uh node and that creates right. what we call as frictions but but let's let's talk you were on a plane so i guess the the persona was basically the same i want to go and edit on the go while I'm traveling, do a small change, and that's it. But it is not really my uh, main developer tool, correct? Yep, that's right. Uh huh. And in in my specific use case, what I wanted to do is I was sitting in the terminal. I'm like, oh, let me download a website real quick that I have, and I can play with that on the airplane, which I wasn't able to do. Which we'll talk about that. That was one of the frictions. <laughs> but that was the use case is legit have a, a website I can play around with on the iPad. <laughs> Okay, good. We have the Persona. We have what uh, Play.js is. It's available on the App Store if you lo- go and look for it. They also have a website, but that doesn't matter because you have to install it from the App Store. Okay, let's talk with the good stuff, mm-hmm. delights. Yep. What do you have on that? Yeah, so sometimes these delights are really small, and this is a small one. I've seen it in a couple other apps. One password does it, but it's icon customization. It's small, but it's nice that you can pick your icon that goes on the iPad screen and try to match it. Cause I think the default one's like this kind of brown, boring one. And I hate it on the iPad screen. So they let me change it, which is nice. So again, small, but nice little touch. Okay. Yeah. Another delight is split windows. I've actually never seen, as I guess speaks to how much I, or how less and little I use the iPad, but I haven't seen split windows work like this before where you can have multiple editors open or you can have like the browser view, like if you're doing hot reloading, uh, on one split window on the iPad and the other one's the code editor. So as you're typing, it reloads it on the other window that's split. That that was kind of cool, actually. I I hadn't seen it before prior to this. Uh, Yes, they're using multi-window support so they can create uh, various instances. Some of the default stock apps allow you to do that, and I think Office, where you can have like two Safari browsers and then you can do it side by side. Well, this is the same. But what I thought it was interesting is how when you click preview on this app, it will just spun up another app. I didn't know that you could create another another thread or another version of the app, which was very interesting. I have no idea what they're doing there. And going back to your app icons, it is a nice touch. And for iOS developers that have done it before, it's only like two lines of code or three lines of code to do the change. You have to prepackage those icons. But 
at the end of the day, you just put them on the on the info P list and then you just let the user pick. And I have seen even apps that they charge for like, oh, part of the premium version is that you can pick icons, <laughs> which I think it's a it's an interesting idea. It shows how much the developer or the iPad or iPhone users are willing to do to customize their iPhones. And we can go on and on with, I believe it's called Widgetsmith, but I don't want to derail our <laughs> our team. Maybe we can come back to it. Okay, good. Yep. yep. Uh, Get so into frictions about, now. Yeah, you were talking about preview, but then you also mentioned that it had a little friction. What was that? So it, it's minor, but with the preview, it's not immediately clear how to preview the React app after building it. It's just not clear. In fact, a lot of the UI, it's just not clear. You just kind of have to play around with it and say, oh, this is what this button means, or oh, that's what they mean by this, or oh, this is how you do that. So you kind of have to uh, trial by error, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. What else? So a a big one is kind of the getting started uh, part of it. First of all, the getting started just the pop-up that shows up is way too long. There's a pop-up at the beginning and it just really needs to be broken down more and assurance made that the user can go back at any time to review, which they can, but it kind of feels like, oh man, if I don't read all of this right now, I'm going to miss it because if it's one of those typical getting started, you know, carousels Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's just way too long for, it's trying to teach you how to use the whole app before you use the app. So it, that's a little overloaded, I think. And then in in relation to getting started, because I would include this, is there's no GitHub integration. So when you once you go through the big getting started carousel and you're like, all right, I want to connect to my repo. Well, you can't because there's no GitHub integration. So you have to get your keys and set it all up. And setting that up on an iPad is not convenient at all (laughs) (laughs) okay i see what you're saying definitely and i have a workaround for you which i'll probably draft it up on a blog post and and put it up there there is this other app called working copy which is a github client or a git client yeah i have that Mm -hmm. okay so using that you expose that app as a file provider so you can see it from the files app and then okay. from there, you can open it in Play.js and then you do all your changes and then you just go to working copy and all the changes are going to be there. They're, it's basically like a shared folder between working copy and Play.js. And oh, that way you can you can uh, do your GitHub integration. But yeah, it, it is not a simple process, but... I used it when I was uh, doing some markdown editing and I was pushing that those markdowns to GitHub. And I used that with IA Writer. Mm-hmm. I always say that backwards, but AI, IA. That's how I made it work. But it's, yeah, it's not intuitive. Uh, all the time wasted on trying to teach you how to use the app in the first pop-up. Maybe they should go and teach you how to integrate it with, with a third-party app. Now, working copy is paid app, so... It's a little bit right. more more expensive, but I think it's well worth it, and that might be something that works for you. Okay, but but it is good. I mean, it's a friction. You didn't know about it. I happen to know about it because I was working on something else. I wouldn't be able to figure it out if I mm. was in your position. So, good. Right, right. Hmm. All right. That's cool. Had no idea. It seemed to pass a lot of time on my iPad these days. Uh, <laughs> lack, of, <laughs> lack of customization. What's that about? You didn't like the colors? Yeah, man, I did not like the theming is pretty lackluster is what I put on the friction log. Uh, there's and there's there are certain things that drive me crazy about an editor if I can't do them. Like back in the day a long time ago when you had eclipse and uh what was that? NetBeans, remember NetBeans and some of these oh, yes. other I, old IDEs. You could never adjust the line height and that just killed me hate that in fact i remember (laughs) i remember telling a product manager once at accelerator that i 
one of the frustrating things we had, I had about our IDE, which was based on Eclipse, is that I couldn't adjust the line height. And they were like, all right, that's a little too picky. I don't care. I want to adjust the line height in my editor. <laughs> I don't want text on top of each other. And you can't do any of that customization. You know, like you can't in VS Code, for example. Yeah. And and that that's annoying to me. <laughs> <laughs> you you have uh, I think font size, and it's not even by number. It's like a small, medium, large. Yeah, that's um, right. And then I I'm not that picky with line uh, line height. But I am picky with the font. Like the font to me has to be perfect. And it's one of those things that if it's a pain to customize it or the default one is so ugly that I don't want to use the product, I it's one of that's that's my picky thing. They they happen to use uh, I believe Menlo was the font that they use, and I was okay, okay with it. Yep. And I didn't pay much attention to the line hate. But yeah, okay. Good. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, if if I get forced into Menlo or Monaco Monaco, I, I'm okay with those two. I like those two. If, if they have those as examples or options, I'm I'm happy with it. My VS Code one that I'm using right now is the JetBrains Mono that came out a couple months oh, ago. Oh yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah, I like that font. I'm, I've been using that everywhere. Yeah, I th- I think that's what I'm using there. Maybe I even put it in Xcode if I remember correctly. But yeah, I like that one. Maybe we should do a friction log about fonts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's interesting. <laughs> this is gonna get weirder, my friends. Okay. Yeah, you, um, you know what? The the whole friction log, the whole podcast would be about licensing. That's what it would be about. <laughs> <laughs> Font licensing is a nightmare. <laughs> yes, I agree. I like IBM Plex, not not for coding, but just as a as a type of font. I I like that one. But then again, I like San Francisco and I just like, I guess I just like that people, the team that put a lot of effort and explain why they're doing the font that they are doing it. And that so is, what is uh, this called? IBM what? Plex. P-L-E-X. IBM Plex font. Okay. Now, yeah. IBM Plex is our new typeface, huh? Yeah. Wow. They got a fancy, I just pulled it up. They got a fancy little landing site on it and everything. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I knew it. I knew about it before when I I think I was reading something about Helvetica, and then I was looking at some variations and stuff like that, and I was like, ah, I didn't know IBM had its own phone. But we also use it internally, or at least I use it in all my presentations and whatnot. I like it. Yeah, I do yeah. like this. I'm looking at it. You know what though? <laughs> you know what I don't like? What? The line height of their examples. <laughs> it's bothering me. <laughs> I went to the mankind and machine. I'm looking at it right now, and the text is here. I'm going to adjust it. Let me see if I can adjust it to where I like it. Yeah, that's better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> All right. We're talking about frictions, right? Okay. Here's another friction. Another friction you can npm install packages, which is cool, but it blocks everything. The installing NPM packages happens in the foreground. Well, the problem is when you're, it's, it, remember, it's a React IDE. So here, NPM installing React, it takes 5 million tech years to get it done. Resolving modules is all it says, and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. That's a little annoying. Well, to me, that was a blocker, actually. Obviously, it's not documented here because this is your friction log, but I try to, using working copy, pull the friction log website, and when mm-hmm. I did the npm install, it just stayed there for like I don't know enough minutes for me to just say, you know what, forget about it. Yeah, I could totally see that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, your blocker was the GitHub integration, which now it's resolved. But now you have a new one if you happen to try our website. Uh, maybe it works better for you. Okay, yeah. it's interesting. It's good that even though I didn't do the friction log, I did spend some time with the tools because it's easier for us to discuss it. Um, who do you think these tools are for? Is it, is it really just the person that it is traveling and wants to do a quick edit? Do you see it in a future, maybe code spaces, maybe not play yes, but as some primary thing that you will hook up your iPad to on a large monitor and, and try to code? Like, 
what what is what is what is your vision for these tools? Mm. What mine is versus what the creators are, are probably very different. Uh, <laughs> so play JS. Int- what? What did you say? I'm interesting about yours right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Play JS. It. I I love the effort that's being put into it. I just. It's hard for me to imagine it being adopted, you know, at any kind of scale. So there's that. <laughs> On code spaces, it feels like it's more serious. Like it, it actually will gain traction and get users. And especially for collaborative type coding and stuff, I can see it really, really being beneficial. And there's something nice about going to a repo and saying, you know, work on this repo or edit this thing or something. And it just opens it up right there in your editor, if you will, your IDE that with all your settings and plugins, and you can just make a change right there, mm-hmm. you know, which is great. I it, It's hard for me to imagine having like five tabs open and each one is this microservice and this website and this other microservice and then this server thing over here. And, and it's all code spaces, you know, like you would on a desktop. It's hard for me to imagine that, but I, you know, I can definitely imagine, Oh, I want to make this quick change. It's a fix. I want to do this and do that. And then I can run through it real quick, run the tests all in code spaces. Yeah. I, I can see that being a thing. Good. like it. Well, for once, yeah, PlayJS seems like a good developer went into and say, can I really do this? What is my best attempt to do it? And they did a good job and uh, it's a paid app. So they're, I'm sure like I'm happy to pay it and support it because it pushes the iPad forward towards uh, yeah, being a real computer. Code Spaces, I mean, it's built by GitHub slash Microsoft. Looking into make a business out of it, to looking into grab all the developers attention and there's a ton more money behind it and and smart people and i like it i mean i see it as as i'm just working on a front end and i i want to focus i use my ipad which is a single attention or single focus device and it's good and i can do it on the go or i can do it at home and just on the couch and whatnot not for like oh i'm building part of this big platform that has all these other things unless everything is running on the cloud or whatnot but right but yeah i i concur i think they it's promising both different approaches different developers but at the end of the day is trying to make it more portable for us to go and do what we like to do which is coding <laughs> and with that i want to thank you rick for being our logger a couple of times And I want to thank our listeners and we will see you in episode number 10. Thanks, Cesar. Well, that's all for today's episode of Friction Log. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app and visit our website, frictionlog.com. Adios, amigos. Adios.